Next, the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. After this message. Now that doctors and patients have discovered the many benefits of hemp-derived CBD, Alpine Miracle's Nano Emulsion CBD formula is one of the most bioavailable on the market today. It's 100% THC-free, so you can order it online anywhere in the U.S. Order yours today at alpinemiracle.com. Scientists are just beginning to understand its essential role in maintaining optimal health. Get yours today. Use the code REPORTER and receive 10% off. Don't wait. Get it now at alpinemiracle.com. And now, it's time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the cannabis reporter, Snowden Bishop. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, and I'm grateful that you've joined us today. In January last year, Forbes reported that research analysts predicted that the global cannabis market would grow to nearly $35 billion by 2021. Then in January of this year, Forbes, BDS Analytics, ArcView Market Research, and a host of other economic analysts have all predicted that the cannabis market in the U.S. alone would generate an economic impact of roughly $40 billion, create nearly half a million jobs, and generate more than $4 billion in taxes. So far, it looks as though the U.S. will exceed those estimates. Last year alone, the U.S. amassed more than $7 billion in legal cannabis sales, which doesn't account for the recreational market legalization in California, because that didn't go into effect until January of this year. It also doesn't account for the demand for cannabis on the black market, which by most estimates already exceeds $55 million per year in our country alone. That just goes to show the potential for growth were the U.S. government to finally end prohibition. We are at that point of no return, and federal regulation is inevitable, which means a plethora of potentially lucrative opportunity for ground floor investors and entrepreneurs to position themselves to meet demand as marijuana laws finally change. Not since the early days of the tech boom have we seen an industry go from zero to billions in such a short period of time. And with an upward trajectory that's only expected to climb, early entrants have unprecedented opportunity to carve their share of the American dream. But entering the market is an expensive proposition that requires a well-conceived plan with plenty of capital to adequately execute. While volatility in the cannabis sector of Wall Street has created some trepidation on the part of conservative-leaning capital investors, there is no shortage of visionary venture capitalists willing to take a risk on what promises to be more lucrative than any other growth market today. That's the topic of today's show, and I am excited to introduce our guests. Wendy Robbins and Karen Paul are the hosts of The Marijuana Show, which brings together nine cannabis entrepreneur contestants each season, helping educate them on navigating the industry through their educational arm, BudCamp, and their final investing tool incubator called High Finance. 
The show has offered over $20 million to its contestants so far, and it's become quite popular online with millions of viewers every season. Thank you both so much for being here today. I really love your show, and I'm looking forward to this discussion. (laughs) Thank you for having us, and thanks to our friend Diana Oliver. Diana Oliver, you rock. She does rock. And for those of you who don't know, Diane Oliver is the producer of the landmark film Hempsters Plant the Seed, which was starring Woody Harrelson, Merle Haggard, and Willie Nelson. And it took her more than a decade to film that before its release in 2011. And I'm actually working with her on a follow-up sequence of eight Hempsters films that will sort of follow the progression of activism and regulation since then. So... I was following her for quite some time before we got involved and similar to the way that I've been following the two of you since the first time we met in 2016 and actually that was at the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo in San Diego. Oh yeah. In yeah. Houston? No, it was in uh, um San Diego. Yeah. Were oh. you at the one in San Diego or was it the one in Phoenix? It was one of those two. Probably in San Diego. South- I was there. Yeah. Or yeah. For- we were there. And you were, and you were actually there. doing a live presentation of sort of auditions during that day. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I think we were only on like a handful of stations. I think we only had like uh, maybe 15 stations at the time wow. that we were airing on. So we were still small. <laughs> Look at you now. You're huge. Yeah. We're, we're wow. getting there. I, yeah. you know, Get to 420, 420 yeah, when stations. you get to 420, we'll do a special broadcast. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Absolutely. But anyway, uh, you guys are due some huge congratulations. You are debuting your third season on Amazon Prime. Is that correct? And that's that's yes. happening yeah. this week, which is... Today. Yeah, it's today. So it's, it's really exciting because... It's funny, we're on our phone, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're doing Facebook Live, we're doing interviews, we're doing... There's a lot of buzz going on around the show. Yeah. And what's really interesting is The Hollywood Reporter recently interviewed us and talked about how a lot of shows about cannabis depict a stereotype. And in our show, we're showing the real faces of cannabis, the real people. And I think that's a really nice, refreshing touch. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens. And, you know, as I was talking about in my opening, there is just so much opportunity here for young entrepreneurs or, or, you know, any age entrepreneur, but people to start working in this industry for the very first time. Yeah. And there's no shortage of capital out there either for people who want to, you know, want to take the risk. Um, but when it comes to your program, which uh, so many people have compared to like Shark Tank meets uh, The Apprentice meets uh, Big Brother. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this year we added The Prophet and uh, Survivor. 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 Yeah. Survivor. I like I like those analogies too, because um, absolutely there's, there's uh, so much to be said for publicizing the, the whole process to sort of inspire young entrepreneurs. But I want to hear from you, even though I've read about it, I want everybody else to hear from you. How on earth did you come up with this idea? What inspired you? Well, can I start that one? Sure. Um, we basically, about 2014, we wanted to get into the industry, potentially own a dispensary or open one. We went to a conference by a friend of ours, Casey Stark. 
And we took the conference, it was two days, and we realized afterwards, and it would have been opening one in Colorado, that between the compliance and the, the residence uh, requirements, we just, it was a million dollars to come in, and we thought, maybe there's something else. But during the time we were there, various people came up to us, a lot of entrepreneurs asked us business questions, because we both had successful businesses. And um, then we went home, and... Smoked a joint. We were and, smoking a joint. And literally just said, what can we make a show about? Because I have 13 years experience making, pr producing, directing uh, television shows. And she was in a reality show with Kelly Ripa called Homemade Millionaire, yep. which was bringing kitchen and bath products to market. We thought, what about cannabis products? Yep. What about bringing those to market, helping those entrepreneurs? And it, we had the idea, and two weeks later, we'd never even been to Denver, go to Denver and end up with like the place to shoot, uh, the contestant, 200 people came to the audition. They were around the block signing up to audition for the show. Yep. People with like rainbow colored hair to, you know, people, professional people who just wanted to get into the industry. It was definitely a startup audition, our first round. And it was cool because, you know, Fox was there, Bloomberg was there, uh, CNBC, uh, NPR. They pulled NPR. up in their satellite truck. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just, it was really astounding to have an idea and have it go like, bosh. Crazy, and now here it is four years later. Four years later, season three, and we filmed it in Taos, New Mexico, which is pretty wild. Yep. That is really amazing. And to find investors to come in, how difficult was that? Well, That's a good question. Yeah, it's really a good question. The first time, it, it came, same with everything. Somebody knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody, and then suddenly we, we had our people. But yeah, the very first year was harder because we weren't in the cannabis industry, um, so we did a lot of vetting. We had to you know call investors and make sure that they were legit and all that stuff. The second season, much easier. In fact, we had two dispensary owners, um, both from Euflora and Starbuds came in and represented. Um, as well as venture capitalists. Uh, season three, you'll have to watch and find out, but we do it a little differently than Shark Tank. It's totally different. It's not really Shark Tank anymore. It's just that people are so used to our show uh, equating to Shark Tank. Uh, there is investment, which is really awesome. But and the, somebody becomes the next marijuana millionaire. That's that's really what you got to know. And what you learn too along the way is joint ventures and what makes a business much stronger. Wow. So essentially you're following their paths from start to finish. Is that correct? How does that work? Yeah. yeah. We, we basically, um, it's, it's really like a hero's journey. Wouldn't you yeah. Say? It's like a hero's journey. They have to go through obstacles, understand compliance. It's emotional. It's physical. It's, we, we put them through a lot. We, we made them all into comedians at one point and they were like, whoa, 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 you know, and just not to take yourself so seriously. We, we threw a lot at them. Um, and they did, they did brilliantly. I, the cast was just phenomenal. It's, we, we were really blessed to have a, a great cast and a great crew. I mean, and, and they really bonded this, this season more than any other season. We put them, the reason we talk about survivors, we put them in this place called Hotel Luna Mystique in, um, in New Mexico. And it's a bunch of refurbished trailers. And so they lived sort of in this sort of circle of trailers and they got to know each other and there were bonfires every night. It was November, so it and wasn't musicians. really warm. So yeah, they got to bond over a bonfire every night. It was really cool. And compare like the rocking of the trailers yeah. and you know and then we put the crew up in this really lavish beautiful home yeah the crew got a beautiful place because they had to be in good shape to shoot they were wendy had them laying on the floor as the director she had them <laughs> looking through glass rolling she puts the cast and the crew through a lot why not <laughs> that's hilarious well i did watch the first episode which was great 
And it was quite a departure, as you said, from the first season, which was more of the Shark Tank format. But it definitely left me looking forward to seeing the rest of the episodes. So how are you releasing these? Is it Will it be one at a time, or can people go on to Amazon Prime and binge watch the entire season all at once? How is that going to work? Well, right now you could see on Amazon Prime episodes one through five. And the reason we did that is the cliffhanger at five is there's a, um, an elimination round. Um, and the, the episode six through nine, which is the, the finale, will be released in the fall. Um, we're doing that to create a binge watching experience. A lot of times, um, you know, Amazon recommends going out with like no more than four or five at a time. Um, and that way people could really experience it and then experience the second half all at once. And if people want to see, you know, if they're like, I, I got to see, then they go to our website, which is the marijuanashow.com. And there, there's episode one through nine is right there. Not only that, but there's episodes, there's season one, season two, and season three there. And yeah, right now we have a deal. You could buy all three seasons for only $19.99, which is pretty amazing. And um, a lot of people have done that because they don't want to wait for Amazon Prime or they don't want to have to sign up for another streaming network. But there are 100 million consumers on Amazon Prime. So we're projecting about 10 million views uh, this season for the show. Wow. And how does that compare to seasons one and two? Season one had uh, three million people. Season two had seven million people. And this we're feeling is going to be bigger also because the show is going to be on Comcast as well. So it'll be on Comcast, uh, Amazon, and then it looks like Europe is interested and Canada is interested. And then um, what's called OTT platforms, meaning streaming, essentially. Um, There's some cannabis companies that we're going to partner with. So then it's a, it's a huge, it's just a huge audience. So we feel really blessed. And what's really interesting um, and something I'm grateful about is our brand has created enough traction that people are now sharing with their friends. Like the first generation of our show was people that we knew and their friends. And now it's really extended beyond that. And, and we're just really psyched how many people are talking about it right now. There's parties all over the country. It's it's kind of cool. We're just we're just finding out about it. Like our phone, we, I turned it off, but it was blowing up. It's like there's gonna be a party here, 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 here. And we're, so we're even having a launch party later tonight um, to celebrate here locally with a few of our friends. Just watch a few episodes and is here where we 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 actually filmed a lot of uh, season three right here in our house. Yep. <laughs> so it's like a bachelor nation. <laughs> John nation. nation. Yeah. <laughs> Ganja Nation. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. So I noticed in this season, your crew, the number of people in your crew actually exploded. It went up to like 60 people that you have uh, working on this at once, which is quite a difference from seasons one and two. How did that compare? I have my hand from writing all those checks. Yeah. I need a sling. Yeah, it, it, it is a large cast. It's a, I mean, a, a small cast and a large crew. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's expensive. The production, there's no doubt. It's an incredibly expensive show. Um, and we did 60 people because of Wendy's directorial requirements. She had to have um, a 6K, uh, really high-end shooters, really great cameras, all these different angles. P- people who... We even had someone in the sky shooting down from one of those skybirds. What's that called? A light an ultralight. An ultralight. An ultralight, which we only used wow. like, for seconds. I mean, that's the funny part. It's just... You know, but it, 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 it makes sense. So we shot it as though it were a 35 millimeter film. We won't do that again because the truth is, is our phones now are really 4K. So, right. you know, so there's no, and, and most people are watching on their phones. Yeah, so. but the production quality is through the roof. I mean, literally the colorization and the scenes, 
you feel like you're watching a 35 millimeter film, but it's also really, a, the depth of field is really rich. And um, I just think it's a beautiful show. Especially uh, episodes two through, two through uh, nine. Because episode, episode one is really goes back in time. It's a recap. Into, into contestants we had on season one and two, and wh where are they now, and who's done what, and, and like that. And so, and then also us going across the country. And just, oh, yeah, looking for the next marijuana millionaire. So, so don't look at episode one isn't really going to tell you the, the tale of season three until you get into two and three. And then you'll, you'll see where you are. You're in bud camp. Yeah. Which is like boot camp for the cannabis industry. Bud camp. What a great name. I, I was wondering about that. Is this going to be sort of a course that you're giving the contestants throughout the filming of the season? Yeah. Yeah, it, exactly. It's um, we, we go through like a seven part process on how to pitch. And it really, it really is compelling. And if people pitch the way that we teach them, we've literally had people make millions of dollars. So it's, it's, it's really kind of cool to watch. And then, um, well, have you ever also had someone tell you their idea and an hour later you say, what is it you're selling? Yeah. <laughs> so we try to get them to, in two minutes, we try to get the point across. So an investor will definitely want to open their wallet. That's such an important lesson, not just for business, but also for life in general. I mean, if people can learn to be direct and articulate exactly what it is that they want, chances are someone's going to understand it and give them exactly what they want if they have the means. I mean, that's an amazing treasure people will be able to take away from this. Thank you. So I've been dying to ask you about Steve. Uh, <laughs> oh, we don't know where he is. We still don't know. This guy who we got still? to $6 million. It's a true story. It is a true story. We, we, flew, to, we, we flew to Hawaii. We brought extra equipment and stuff. And then um, we were going to show basically, you know, the process of Steve getting his license. And, yeah. And, it was, and it's not like we were suffering the whole time because Hawaii is rather nice but we were it was there nice specifically I'm so sad what's happened to, to film steve uh accepting the money in in person instead of over a skype call or something like that and literally wendy and i were like we can't find them day after day we couldn't find them and we, so we, we did spent, a film about it yeah we spent <laughs> we spent two weeks there and he never would return a call a text a phone nothing and we, to this day we've never heard from steve no so what'll happen to the investment? He didn't get it. It went away and actually, didn't get away. and, and away. one of the investors that was willing to give it, who, who promised it on the, Jamie, who you saw in the video, um, she was bummed because she really wanted to get in there with her brand in, uh, in Kona. And it just, it was just so bizarre. We don't know it's to this day what, what really happened. So that helicopter scene. We were just <laughs> kidding around that. I mean, we, we made a joke about it because it was, it was hysterical. And then it became a pitch to find the new Steve. And so, you know, we interviewed all sorts of people um, to pretend like they're the new Steve and, and like that. Now, even people come up to us and go, I'm your new Steve. So yeah. and we actually uh, got so much feedback. People loved that segment that we might do some more comic stuff because we've had some crazy stuff happen on set. Mm -hmm. uh, it might be fun to do a little show about it. <laughs> I was just cracking up. You had every walk of life being Steve, <laughs> including an eel. Underwater an eel. An underwater eel going <laughs> Steve, Steve, <laughs> trying to find the Steve. So, you know, you just have to, you have to, it, this is an interesting industry. It really is. You it's, have to laugh because there's a lot of weird stuff that happens. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I just can't imagine disappearing if someone offered me $6 million for my show. <laughs> Can I be Steve, please? That's you what happens. Everybody always wants to be Steve. So, you know, and it was going to go in chunks. So he, he'd get a certain amount for getting, you know, getting the license. And then once he got the license, he would have needed all that extra money. 
And, um, and that included even holding $2 million in reserve for him uh, because that's what Hawaii had is that you had to have $2 million sitting in a bank. And we were so months. excited. We dropped everything to go there and film it. All I could think is that something came up with him personally that he didn't want to be on yeah. television. And well, yeah. what can I say? Yeah, he just, he lost it all. So, you know. Uh, it's a shame, really. I hope he's okay. <laughs> that crossed my mind, too. I mean, I hope he's out there somewhere enjoying a Mai Tai, at least. Right. <laughs> I hope so, too. Yep. Wow. Someone else after him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mission Impossible. <laughs> well, if he didn't respond to $6 million, I can't imagine that he'd respond to Tom Cruise for any reason. You never know. Tom Cruise is pretty convincing. Yeah. I, you know what? You just have to say next. And, and, and what's so interesting about the industry is, you know, you're there to be in service. And, and there's a lot of times we can't, we can't deliver exactly what we'd like to deliver. We work really hard, too. There's people that don't get money for a year after uh, the show films. There's some people that don't ever get the money. And, you know, because, and you see that on the show, that they don't get it, they'll get mentorship, et cetera. And you can only work with the people who are really willing and wanting to work right here, right now, because there's nothing harder than this industry that I've found, at least so far. I've been a business coach for a long time. And because of compliance, regulations, and everything changing on a daily basis, if you don't have your, you know, together, forget about it. I mean, it just... So it's it, it someone like a Steve, you wouldn't want to be in business with anyway, right? Right. You know. So. Yeah, that's a good example of what not to do in business. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't leave your investors hanging, right? <laughs> right. So, how do you deal with the fact that every state has different regulations, and there's such a huge variety that I would think would change the criteria of what your investors are looking for? And in fact, what are the criteria that investors are looking for when it comes to selecting someone to invest money in? Well, one thing I want to say about compliance is that everything is different. Each state has different rules and Each laws. Each county has different rules. So we had a lawyer on season three, Robert Hoven. He was also a sponsor with Brent Johnson, uh, the CFO of Hoven Law Firm. And they were there to make sure that everything was being done uh, by the rules, but also they knew all the different states' compliance. And because we had people from all over the United States, they answered all the questions. Um, in the past, we've had other lawyers come on the show. But what we tell every contestant is get your own attorney because we can't tell you what your state requirements are, your laws, you have to know your laws. But we'll, if they come on and, and we've done our due diligence, we'll know by then if they're legit or not. It, it comes down to your team. Um, now we're looking for companies that are have revenue, not pre-revenue companies. In the past, sometimes pre-revenue meaning that you have no, no sales. At this point, we want companies to have traction. Yeah. We're looking for team. We're looking for how they're going to scale. In other words, how are they going to grow? Uh, do they have enough management around them? We really investigate you know, who's on their team, have they succeeded? And then like, for instance, Bob Asino, who was on the show as a, as a mentor in Credibles, uh, he's also a sponsor and the sponsor two seasons. You know, he has four people that work full time to keep him out of jail. That's how in, in crazy this industry is. And, you know, he's huge. He's really big. And the edibles industry, especially, I mean, they'll change, like, now you have to stamp 10 milligrams on every little piece of chocolate. And, That's and, been for a couple of years now. millions of dollars to redo everything. He had to redo the packaging most recently. Yeah, it's, it's a couple hundred thousand dollars to make those changes. And, you know, it's, it's it, and it keeps going. It's like on and on and on with, with things. So you have to be able to be really flexible. You have to be able to move. You have to be coachable. Uh, those are some of the things we say. And, 
then when we work with people, we really teach them how to pitch. And if they don't follow directions at a certain point, you just have to go, thank you so much. Bye-bye. And to be honest, I think some people audition for our show merely for the exposure that, and branding that our, that the marijuana show offers mm -hmm. because of our reach and being on Amazon prime. I think some companies that are already pretty much sure they're going to do well, they don't have the marketing or advertising budget which would cost millions of dollars to equate to the level of reach we provide. Um, but by being on the show, you could use us as a launching pad to help your own brand. And, and I think that's appealing to both sponsors and contestants on the show. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think that the Shark Tank also has that, that sort of mentality too. There are a lot of people who will go on that show realizing they'll probably never get one of the sharks to invest in them. And then, you know, but it is great exposure. Oh, yes, it really is. So, you know, if you think about it, this industry, you know, not only is banking really difficult, having your merchant, you know, your processing is, is really hard. Having insurance, you know, you can't write off your cost of goods sold, et cetera. So you have to have very specialized uh, uh, accountants as well. And then not being able to advertise. So for instance, you can't even send something through the mail through state lines. You know, you can't even enjoy a product, let's say that you're using it for medicinal purposes. If it's legal in Denver and I go over to Kansas, it's illegal. I can get arrested. So, you know, there's a lot that we're still confronting that we confronted in 2014 that we're still confronting in 2018. Which is why a lot of investors want ancillary businesses, which doesn't have to mean, you know, you can't cross state lines if it's a seed to sale technology. It's a computer program. It's safe. And a lot of investors want that secure investment. Um, but if they are going to go and touch the plant is what they say uh, and get involved in cannabis grows or whatever. Usually it's state by state or county by county, as Wendy said, um, you have to know your rules, you, your laws. You have to. And what we would be looking for is somebody that's already in a couple of states that's now going into their third, fourth, fifth. What, what we think when we're, when we're looking at the future of the industry, we're looking at merger and acquisitions, we're looking at IPOs. So we're looking at the larger companies, pharmaceutical companies, unfortunately, tobacco companies are obviously circling around. You're already seeing in Canada, you're seeing huge beverage companies uh, coming into the cannabis industry in Canada where it's, it's federally legal there, right? And they're in awareness that eventually it's gonna get legal here. You're seeing in Europe right now, like Portu Portugal just went legal. And you know, you're, looking, you're looking everywhere, Germany, et cetera, et cetera. So as that, as that happens, we're looking for companies that are already in those, those markets. And you're finding that in, in Canada, there's more freedom to go and be able to sell in Europe. And that's, you know, those are the kinds of plays that we're gonna be looking for yeah. in season four. And, and international plays. And we also, just really quick on that note, we launched an international fund called the High Finance Fund. And we're raising capital now for it. It's gonna be a $20 million equity fund um, really looking for ancillary hemp and companies that can cross those national borders. Yep. Um, We're looking for real estate deals too. And I, I just say that because I'm sure some of your listeners are like, Hey, I've got that kind of a, an opportunity and that those things would interest us. We're talking to somebody right now who creates large campuses, million square foot places, buildings that are subdivided so that growers can have smaller pieces and then help be helped with management. So it's kind of an incubator or a campus, if you will. So then there's lawyers there, there's extractors there, there's just a whole teams that everybody can work with. And then you can do a roll up again with that idea of how am I gonna exit? How an investor's looking like, how am I gonna get my money out? When am I gonna get my money out? And we like the all-in-one model because it's hard for one person, one company to do it all themselves. It does take a village. You, you need people around you or you won't succeed.
Yeah. And in some states, you have to go vertical. There's nothing like in New Mexico, you have to be able to do it all. And we think that's sort of ridiculous. People are getting really burnt out. It's hard to do. Yeah. Well, one of the advantages of federal prohibition is that it's deterred some of the larger pharmaceutical and tobacco companies from entering the market. And that's actually made it possible for some of the early adopters or the smaller companies that maybe aren't as well funded to carve out their share of the market before some of the large companies enter to squeeze them out. I mean, and it's inevitable that federal prohibition comes to an end. So it'll be an interesting dynamic to watch when that plays out. But I wanted to get back to the legal aspects. As you were talking about that, I started thinking about all the crazy obstacles people have had to overcome. Uh, The rules are just changing so fast. It's really confusing for anybody in the industry to ascertain what's legal and what's not. We had Bob Hoban on our show last year to talk about the DEA's move to assign CBD and numerical code in Schedule 1, and he talked about the ways in which that could affect the ruling that came out of the Ninth Circuit lawsuit, which protected CBD particularly, um, as long as it was a hemp-derived product. And for people who don't know, in 2004, the Hemp Industries Association versus the DEA the Ninth Circuit actually ruled in favor of the Hemp Industries Associations, and that made the sale of anything containing hemp imports legal throughout the United States. So um, to follow up on that, we actually interviewed Keith Stroop, the founder of Normal, who had a completely different opinion than Bob Hoban. And there are just so many other lawsuits that have changed things so rapidly. More recently, we interviewed Patrick Nightingale about a a court ruling that made extracts illegal in Arizona because extracts are not marijuana as defined by the Arizona Medical Marijuana Act, but rather extracts fall under the category of cannabis. And because, and I'll quote this, marijuana is not cannabis as defined in Arizona's criminal code. And then California, which you would expect to be completely liberal on this issue, given that they were one of the the first to legalize for medical use, they instituted a ban on CBD-infused foods because the Ninth Circuit recently reversed its 2004 ruling because the DEA put CBD in a numerical code in Schedule 1. So CBD is now a Schedule 1 substance, but... THC, on the other hand, which is also a Schedule One substance, is allowed. I mean, none of this makes any sense. It's, it's nuts. It's well, upside down you, over you, there. You wonder who's who. You know, the pharmaceutical company. Our assumption is is really messing and putting up money and and things like that because it's it's just insane that you could you could say CBD that has no psychoactive uh, effects. Uh, cannot be included in food pro- food products. So here's a perfect perfect example. On season three, you'll see somebody pitching uh, a product that is a health product, healthy food product. And so it would be CBD and then separately THC products and it's paleo and non-GMO and healthy products and stuff with low doses. And, and now he's, you know, he's out of business in terms of the CBD part, but the CBD was going to be the part that was going to allow him to go across the country easier it would be easier for him to scale typically other than indiana nebraska some of the other states that you know again are like what like they're just it just doesn't make sense in our view uh really colorado is the best state 
to run a cannabis business. Uh, they incorporated into their their constitution, Proposition yeah. 64. Yeah, but take a look. They're changing their but, rules on, on a daily basis, too. But safer too. than some. You know, it's, it's, it's a little bit more of a standard, a gold standard for me. But when I look at California and Arizona, uh, some of these states are pretty backwards. It really is such a shame when you think about it. And as you were talking about marketing, too, a little earlier, it, it occurred to me, you know, that this is a real challenge as well. How do people market their products across state lines? We run into the same problem, and especially being on terrestrial radio, because it's federally illegal to advertise any federally illegal substance on broadcast radio. So, you know, the other thing, too, is that for these companies, it's very difficult for them to find ways to reach new markets, especially in, in states that don't regulate cannabis yet. You know, but that's the beauty of having media outlet like yours and, and like mine, whereas they can't talk about some of the health benefits of cannabis or their products, particularly on the radio or in media outlets in general without approval from the FDA. And we overcome that by saying we can talk about your companies on air. Uh, you may not be able to advertise the benefits of your products or your products in general on the radio, but we can certainly talk about it. And we can talk about all the health benefits where these companies are not allowed to mention it because we're covered by the First Amendment. That's true. You know, and, and you can't smoke a, a, a television show uh, or a right. radio show. But, you know, what's interesting is... Um, it's it's a, as you found out it's a really sticky situation because you don't want to necessarily promote to go buy at some dispensary but you might have a dispensary owner on your show wanting to really create a dispensary needs the investment for it and it's legal in his or her state so yeah there's a lot of unknowns i think when sessions gets out of there and um we say goodbye to the whole uh I don't know group of cronies over there i think it'd be good and refreshing to to see what happens because there's this weird, I don't know, schizophrenic thing going on over there. They want the tax money, um, but they don't want the states to have too much freedom. Uh, and Sessions keeps threatening to come in. And it's, so, it's, so that's, that's why we're looking, you know, you asked, one of the questions was, what are we looking for? We're, we're starting to go international. So in other words, season four, we're going to Toronto in two weeks, for instance. Um, for the Benzinga conference. Yeah, and we love, they're phenomenal. If you guys don't know them and you really want to hook up with investors like that, the, the conference will be, uh, it's, it's in, in Toronto, but they have conferences with investors in all different kinds of uh, parts of, of not just our industry, but all industries. So it should, be, it should be pretty interesting. But the point being is that us being in, in Canada or choosing to go to Canada gives us more freedom and more latitude because it's really difficult. Even mentoring somebody, you have to know so much about all the different laws and every state and every county is different. So it's too, it's too much. It's too much to, to try to follow all of it. So going federally legal just is, is more interesting to us, to tell you the truth. So from an investing standpoint too, we're more interested in investing in, in uh, global, not to say that we wouldn't invest in, in American companies because we have and we do, but there's, there's real, it's a real uphill and it, it's, it makes you crazy or me crazy. I'm more <laughs> <than> <laughs> You aren't alone. I mean, it makes me crazy too. And especially when you're trying to keep up with things from a writing standpoint, I mean, it's, it's quite common that I'll write something one week and then the following week I have to go back and correct it because some law changed or another court opinion was had. It's really hard to keep up. Right but, here, in, here in New Mexico. 
we were at a dispensary and they told us they just got a memo. They had to pull all the CBD off their shelves. Within a week. But you could still sell it at Whole Foods. You could have CBD products at Whole Foods, but you couldn't at the dispensaries. And that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And on and on yeah. and on. And, and, and think about it, and we live in New Mexico, and so in New Mexico, they are only allowed a certain amount of plants. It's not very many. I'm, I'm going to say 90, but I could be, no, 145. I'd have to double check. It's I'd have to ask Google. It's, it's, you know, it's a very small amount. So a lot of them will grow THC plants because, of course, they can source CBD from other places, but now they can't even. So in order for them to be able to sell, they have to be able to grow CBD plants. They only have a certain amount. These guys pay $90,000 a year for their license. And so can you imagine you've invested heavily in CBD and you're told you have one week to get it off your shelves? It, you know, that's just one more crazy making sort of thing. And this is sort of right. why we end up becoming personal coaches and business coaches to the people that come on our show, uh, as well as helping them get to investment or market their, their stuff. Because people, they, they go through such personal agony um, going through all of these hurdles and obstacles. So we're here sort of as a sounding board for a lot of people because we've had a lot of businesses and you know, just, we want to help. We really want to help entrepreneurs succeed. And that, that brings me, and I'll just, I'll say this and, and, and then I'll stop talking for a little bit, but um, <laughs> is, is, is bud camp. So basically what we've done, because there's so much BS in the industry, so much um, lack of integrity, people saying, yeah, you're going to get rich. You know, people just buying into it with wide eyes, uh, undercapitalized, making mistakes, not understanding compliance laws, rules. So what we do is we have bud camp and, and essentially they're like 10 to 15 minute conversations, video conversations, like what we're doing right now, where the, the students can ask questions of experts and that might look like accountants or lawyers or edible makers or dispensary owners or growers or whatever, um, marketing experts, so that they really get little bite-sized pieces of the best information that's around right here, right now. And um, again, we, you know, it, it, it's really turning out to be super successful because people are really craving that. You can go to an expo or a convention, learn a lot, but then you don't have a community to fall back on to say, hey, what about this? What about that? So we're, we're going to be creating um, a community of business owners, so entrepreneurs and investors, and then separately health. So patients and um, health practitioners, doctors and nurses to really keep that conversation going so people can connect, fall in love. What a great idea. I mean, when you consider all of the sites, the social media sites that have been shut down because people are having discussions about their products or about challenges that they're having, it, it, there really isn't a safe place where they can go and have these kinds of forums without threat of being shut down by people who just don't know any better. So, Wow, what a great idea. And it's incredibly important, too. Thank you. Thank you. So. Yeah, it's had a lot of traction. We've had a lot of great teachers, um, mostly free classes, and then we're going to package some of them and, uh, and basically resell them for a really small amount, you know, a nominal amount. But it's the kind of information that anyone wanting to get in the industry is going to want to have. Um, and there's no colleges really offering it. Maybe a few that are cropping up. Yeah, in Washington. But this is sort of something where we bring the conference to your couch. You don't have to fly somewhere and spend thousands of dollars getting the education. And then you'll be able to connect with people. It will be the second part to it to just create those joint ventures, strategic alliances, things. Because people are always saying that they want the money. And I ask them what they want the money for, and they don't even know what they need the money for. They're just like, ah, I need $10 million. My company's worth $100 million. And they've never even done anything. So, you know, it's basics of understanding your valuation and et cetera. But this idea of creating joint ventures so that you could ask somebody in, in this series of classes, 
you know, who is a lawyer? Who has an accountant? Who do you recommend for this? Who's a graphic artist, right? Yeah. Who's good at branding? Yeah. And then, and then you've got a team of people that can start working together and, and, uh, you know, being successful with or without the investment. And one of those exercises we did on season three, but you have to watch the season to see what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's true. Getting back to the problem in New Mexico, where where dispensary owners were told that they had to remove uh, CBD products from their shelves. I wonder if that's the same problem that was encountered in California when the Department of Public Health banned CBD from food products that were for sale in the state. This is just CBD oil. Then if you take a look, Colorado, you know, here's a completely different thing is Colorado just last week or the week before um, said, you know, that you can't have any, anything that you put up your nose and you can't have any sexual sex lubes or anything that can go into any of your orifices, no suppositories, you know, nothing you inhale. And so trying to govern all our holes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Always. Yeah. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I mean, that's a really good question for Bob Hoban. He's the one who addressed the whole problem of CBD when the, the new miracle code problem came about, you know, still in all, it's very, very confusing for everyone And of course, well, no two attorneys have the same opinion on the matter. But even though it was so confusing for everyone, most CBD makers have largely ignored the issue altogether, which is evidenced, of course, by the fact that the CBD industry is absolutely thriving everywhere in the United States. Yeah. But but that's what makes it so curious that now all of a sudden all of these states are changing their laws and making CBD makers pull their products off the shelf. I mean, California... Uh, Colorado. I mean, Indiana just made problem. it illegal. Nebraska made it illegal. So you know, it's it's tricky, and that's that's the hard part for an entrepreneur. And you need that's, a, yeah, and you need a solid backbone if you're going to be in this industry. It's not for everyone. It looks fun and everything, but it's not for people it, that don't don't that don't have the resilience to bounce back. Yeah, it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> no, it's really it's really not. It's really not. So. Um, I, now we have to go, but I want to just say, um, you know, thank you. Thank you for having us on and, and we really appreciate it. We really appreciate, you know, everybody going to Amazon Prime and, and just, you know, give us a five-star review if that's sincere, if that's, if, if that's authentic for you, because, you know, Amazon Prime doesn't show a lot of uh, television shows that have to do with cannabis. When you, when you take a look, you're going to be like, wow, there's a lot of old stuff or a few things, you know, Cheech and Chong or whatever. And not to put them down, but again, we're trying to show real people professional savvy in this industry, you know, that, that look like professional people and, uh, and really stop the stigma and stop the futile drug wars, you know, which makes no sense. So yeah. And, and how you do that is, um, you know, we'll send you a link, but you could just go on the Amazon prime, uh, search bar and put the marijuana show and both of our seasons will pop up. We have season two up there and season three as well. So you could see both. That's fantastic. And absolutely. I will include all of this information on the archive of this episode on thecannabisreporter.com. And I will definitely go on and rate the show. And I am so grateful that the two of you were able to join me today for this interview. I am super excited about watching season three and congratulations on all of the success. Really, 
what you're doing is amazing. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was a fun interview. Yeah, it was. And thanks, Diana Oliver, again, for that introduction. Yes. That's joint <laughs> ventures. That's helping each other. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, really, that's what this industry is all about, uh, people helping one another. So anyway, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Bye, bye for, for now. now. Okay, bye for now. Oh, this was fun, but it's time to bring yet another show to a close. I'd personally like to thank my guests, Wendy Robbins and Karen Paul for sharing their insights and knowledge with us today. If you'd like to learn more about the work they're doing on the marijuana show, or if you'd like to find out how you can watch it on Amazon Prime, please visit us online at thecannabisreporter.com. Click podcast to find today's episode And there you will find their bios along with information about the show and links to their websites. While you're there, if you're interested in taking courses to learn about entering the cannabis industry, we invite you to check out Green Culture Ed. You'll find their tall green banner on most of our web pages, and that links directly to their courses. Please also be sure to check out our event partners, the Cannabis Science Conference in Portland and the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo in Miami are both coming up at the end of this month. We have so many people to thank. First, I'd like to express our gratitude for our radio sponsors, Canisphere Biotech, Alpine Miracle, and Healthterra. We certainly couldn't be doing this without you. I'd also like to thank Eric Goodall, composer of our theme song, Evergreen, and the production team here at the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show for always making us shine. I'd also like to give a shout out to our programming directors at XRQK Radio Network and Society Bites Radio for distributing our show. Thank you very much. And last but not least, thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Snowden Bishop inviting you to join us again next week for another episode of the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. Until we meet again, be safe, stay informed, share what you've learned, and make it a great day. You're busy. Running around from work to kids to evening events, healthcare shouldn't be adding to your daily running around. Simplify your healthcare with Helterra. For only $15 per month per individual or $18 per month per family with up to nine kids, by the way, you can eliminate doctor office visits with 24-7 access to doctors via phone, video, or the mobile app. Not only do you get prescriptions filled over the phone, but save up to 85% on those prescriptions. This is a supplemental plan and not insurance. Healthcare made easy. Helterra.com. Now that doctors and patients have discovered the many benefits of hemp-derived CBD, Alpine Miracle's Nano Emulsion CBD formula is one of the most bioavailable on the market today. It's 100% THC-free, so you can order it online anywhere in the U.S. Order yours today at alpinemiracle.com. Scientists are just beginning to understand its essential role in maintaining optimal health. Get yours today. Use the code REPORTER and receive 10% off. Don't wait. Get it now at alpinemiracle.com.